Ian, welcome to episode 29 of Hubshots. How are you? Very good, Craig. And we are here in this very interesting space. We're in, yeah, we're in your office and there'll be a photo of that up on the site, maybe on Instagram because, you know, we're across all the channels. That's right. And we'll talk about that in the episode. <laughs> but I mean, this episode's really about inbound sales and social, right? Now, inbound sales was released, well, coming up to two weeks yeah. when this episode goes out. And we've all set our certification. We've had some time to think about it, process it. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, look, I, I think it's going to be really good to chat about some of uh, the inbound sales. Pay- and you've got a nice piece talking about that in our tip of the week. That's going to be really good. But, you know, you mentioned something then. You said by the time this episode comes out. And what I think is interesting about that is because we're now recording a week or two Ahead. before they actually get published just because <laughs> we want to make sure that we don't ever miss a week in the lead up to inbound. By the way, how many days is it to inbound? So as of the 13th of April... There's actually 209 days, zero hours, three minutes, and five seconds to inbound. You know that, of course, because you're looking at our inbound <laughs> countdown on the site, oh, the things we spend our time on. But the, the point I was getting at is because we're recording ahead of time, there's actually this, um, I've, just, I've just kind of been fighting with this idea of whether we should be talking about breaking news yes. versus actually items that add value. And yes. of course, put like that, you'll always opt for the for the value. latter. Yeah. But I've, I've kind of always been tempted, oh, I should be breaking news. And I've just been thinking lately, actually, is that particularly helpful? Does it that's actually why, add much value? Isn't yeah. that why we have Feedly and Medium? Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> By the time we mention something that's breaking, like we're going to mention... It's that, already broken. Well, that's right. By the time this episode goes out, it's too excited. But, the, you know, the other, th- the, the other reason this jogged in my mind is because I was looking at our stats on SoundCloud about yeah. people listening to our episodes, and we're actually finding that some of our early episodes are starting to get lots of listens now and they're like they're months ago so having breaking news in an episode probably isn't going to help someone that's listening to it three (laughs) months later right so it's an interesting kind of thing to think about in terms of content absolutely so i mean we're gonna roll in it's a great way to roll into shot one inbound thought of the week and we had a discussion around inbound today yeah and inbound 2016 Share with me one thing that you really loved about it, because I think you've hit on a really good point, is that we assume people know what it is and people have experienced it. Now, I experienced it for the first time last year and you had in the previous two years. Give me one thing that you really loved or what can you share with people about your inbound experience? Yeah, well, I think it's a really good question because we now assume that we've been, we now assume that people understand what it's like. The first thing to talk about is it's a massive, massive event, especially from our audience is largely Australian. So the the size of the events, most people wouldn't have gone to. So we're talking 14,000 people last year. And the main things that stood out to me, the first year that I went, I went on my own. I didn't know anyone. And it was this massive event and I had to work really hard to try and meet people and things like that. But even in spite of that, and I'm kind of a classic introvert, I don't network, and so that was a lot of hard work for me. But in spite of that, it was just such a useful and motivating conference. And then last year when I went and, you know, I knew a bunch of people, it was a lot more enjoyable. So getting into the scheme of things happened a lot quicker. But it's really about a whole week. You come back just really motivated. And it's not one of those motivation things that lasts for a couple of days and then you wake up and get on with your life, right? It's actually still motivating me now, months later. And that was definitely the case the year before. So I think the key thing that I'd want to impress on listeners, if you're considering 
considering going to inbound and for the very first time is that it's not just about the content, which is all excellent. It's not just about meeting people because that's wonderful, but it's actually this whole motivation that sticks with you for the following year in terms of how you apply that to your business and the companies that you work for. So that's kind of my key point. What, what was your big or one of your big takeaways? Look, one of my big takeaways, I went by myself this year. So I didn't go with anybody from our team. And I think like doing conference with someone, like doing it with you and just hanging around with you and a few other people that we made friends with made a massive difference to my experience. And, and I guess our relationship grew out of that. And hence we're doing this. And, you know, I think like you, you will build relationships with people that will far outstretch even what you would imagine. Like I have even built relationships with other partners in Germany, for example, that have very similar goals to us. So, we talk to each other and see how we can be of assistance. And I think that that is so invaluable, like just blows me out of the water to think about it. So that's what I'm saying. Like come with an open mind, an open heart, listen, don't be upset by things that happen. Like things do go wrong yes. and inbound. Yes. <laughs> Rooms get too full, things happen. But you know what? You just got to have that sharing and giving spirit. And just run with it because you will have probably the, one of the best weeks of the year. Now, speaking of inbound, I'm going to give you my next prediction. Go for it. You know, last week. Yes, last we episode, had a prediction. I had a prediction for inbound about an announcement that they would make. So I've got another prediction for something they'll announce around the product. This is around yeah, the product, yeah. not around the conference as such. I think HubSpot's going to enable some kind of like chatter tool yeah, or like messaging. messaging tool yeah. that allows sales and marketing to kind of talk together. So, you know, Salesforce wow, chatter. sales and marketing are going to talk to each other? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Salesforce chatter, yes. which was, it's been out for years. Yep. I think it was a really cool concept and it's yes. kind of how social got introduced to the, the enterprise market. But just that idea, because HubSpot is now so much focusing on both sales and marketing, I think they're going to provide some kind of tool that allows the company as a whole to see some kind of dashboard or status updates around what's happening within the whole HubSpot platform. So that's my prediction. That's my a, second that's prediction. A, that's a cool second prediction. We should actually write all of these down and keep a list. I've written them down. Um, no, so what I, we should do yeah. is have the list when we go to inbound and go around and ask people. So what do you think? Do you reckon this is a this is a go for this year? <laughs> Tick them off, yeah, get my score. But I, I, I probably am just talking about things I'd love to see. But you know what? In saying that, there's no reason why we can't stick that on ideas.hubspot.com. Yeah, well, some of them are bigger than just ideas. Like I really like ideas um, yeah. and vote up uh, stuff. They're normally about specific features. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually looked through ideas about the one last week about yes. the whole um, having a um, – a plug-in marketplace for for the cause, yep. but there was no one had mentioned no one that, mentioned. so it's kind of too big a concept, I think. But yep. I'm sure someone's thought about it and asked for it. But yeah, we'll see. All right, on to our HubSpot feature tip of the week. Now yeah. you pointed this out to me, and this has kind of been in a in in some form before in beta, and uh, it's about sending internal workflow notifications, but yep. making it a lot easier to do that. Yes. So in workflows, I think this is great, but I've put it around with the, the kind of quotes, finally, because, but it is so useful. But when you send, you've got a workflow, say the lead fills out a form and you send an internal email notification. Now, normally it, it, with our customers, they want that internal notification sent to a bunch of people, plus maybe a, a kind of a group email as well. You'd actually have to create separate little actions in a workflow, send internal email to 
Mary, send internal mail to John, blah, blah. Now you can just have one action and add them all in one text box. I know it sounds so trivial and simple, and that's why I say, finally, they've got this, but this makes such a big difference. So if you've ever it's a time had, saver, right? Oh, big time saver, yeah. Now, also talking about some other features. Oh, but can I say, I reckon they've changed. I don't, I don't, know, if, don't know if I was playing tricks Some on me. buttons have changed. But it's the save button moved yeah, from I, the delete. You I, know what? I think it has. So watch out for where the save button is. I don't know if I'm going crazy and just it's always been there, but I reckon when you're editing an action in the workflow, I think the save button's changed location. So don't hit that delete button by accident, right? That's right. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Okay, Colin. next thing, uh, we're, we're testing this. It's called productivity. There's a tab called productivity in the system. And underneath it comes campaigns, projects. Yeah, kind of a task. It's like a task to do list section, isn't it? It is. And and calendar falls under there as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been playing around with it. It's basically a very stripped down project management tool. So you can actually put all the tasks in there if you're building out a campaign. Just so you know that you haven't missed anything. You know, if it is a go live of a particular product. So it's something that they're just testing out with different people. And you know what? I think it's a step in a great direction. So, Yeah, and you can see where they're going with this, right? They want to keep you inside the HubSpot platform for organizing everything. You've got your campaigns in there. Why don't you add your tasks as well? The only thing I'll say is that they've got this projects section, which is kind of confusing because there's projects which are kind of sequences of things that you can have. Correct, apply. which is in the academy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And now they've got projects under this productivity section. So it's kind of like, oh, which projects are you talking about again? Yeah, so. and, and you know what? Actually, when you're in there, it says you can go and start a project. It has a link to the projects <laughs> on, so on Academy, go. which is really interesting because I went there and I was like, oh, okay, I've been here before. I need to now track back. And then I tried it out. And I'm like, well, maybe we need to get our naming correctly here. But you know what? Great initiative. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Check that out. All right, on to our challenge of the week now. Will, will I tell you that my challenge, this is kind of for, this follows on from what we've done in, in previous episodes around adaptability. Yes. How we've talked about that with so many people. Sam Shulman's interview. I keep, man, I love that interview with Sam. Keep referring back to that. But Yeah, so look, if there's one episode that you had to go back and listen to, it would be the one about... That where we interview Sam Shulman, who's the head of sales. Yeah, for me, for me, it would be closely followed by Ryan Benici's. I thought he was good. Well, relating to this episode that we're yeah. doing. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, and Rosalie's was good. Yeah. Oh, and James, <laughs> <laughs> and Mads, and Ruth. <laughs> I think uh, just go listen to all of them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but the challenge is, and and I've come across this as well, is about adaptability and. Understanding that we have a sales. It's really interesting. I was explaining this to somebody we were talking to, and I said. Inbound has been around since 2006. It's in its 10th year, right? It's got results to show for it. It's got following. It's got credibility. Mm. And we know it works. So why are we trying to change stuff when we know it works? Like, let's call it what it is and let's continue on and get those results that you can instead of majoring on the minor stuff, like let's change the name. We don't want to call it a lead. Let's call it something else. Well, this was my challenge. This is exactly right. So what's happened is I've got customers and this has happened with multiple customers now. They basically, they're embracing HubSpot. They're putting HubSpot in place. They're kind of going through the methodology, but then they want to change it. They're like, okay, we want to change what our definition of that terminology, especially around lifecycle stages. So <laughs> Whereas HubSpot's got that clearly defined and we'll include a link to the lifecycle yes. stages. It's well worth reviewing those because 
they're really clear. They're, as you said, they've got 10 years of experience behind this, but I've actually got big clients and these are growing clients, right? So it's not like they're just, uh, they're Statements. not growing, they're not changing at all. These are massively growing clients. So their business is changing and yet they can't adapt to embrace, they're embracing HubSpot, but they can't embrace some of the methodology. So the action item from this is that I kind of really want to challenge listeners to think about is look for those examples where you do that in your own business as a marketing manager where you, you try and change things and instead stop doing that or pause and go, no, I wonder if I can actually learn by adapting our process to fit and just embrace what HubSpot has put years of learning and has proven to It's work. proven, yeah. exactly. You know what? And that's a great tip. I'm actually thinking of in our business and for our customers that we serve is actually printing out those great graphics that shows that those journeys and saying you need to stick this on the wall so everybody in the office sees it and they go this is what we're about and this is how we're going to be dealing with when we're creating content when we're analyzing this and even now with the whole sales process is let's follow this process let's all be on the same page let's talk the same language and let's get the great result that we're due because we do follow the process that works well, this is exactly right. And you're going to talk about this in, in our tip of the week. And in fact, why don't we go to that now? We were going to look at some opinion of the week pieces, but we might push those to the end if we have time. But yeah, let's let's talk about the whole sales process because this is the great thing which we picked up on last week. The inbound sales certification is now released. And for marketing managers, it's actually, it's really applicable for marketing managers to review this and read it and start kind of, I guess, evangelizing that through the rest of the company. So did you want to pick up on that? Yeah, look, inbound sales methodology, there's a really nice diagram which we shared in the last, but let me take you through it. It's about identifying, connecting, exploring, and advising when you're in that sales process. So people go through an awareness, consideration, and a decision stage, right? Now, one of the things that really stood out to me, and there's a great blog post which I put a link to that Mark Rubej did, was mapping the buyer and the seller journey side by side. Yes. And I was, I kind of skimmed through the blog post, but I went back and read it. And I'm like, how good is this? Because he gave an example of what you need to do. So if you were to take an action out of this is go read that blog post. And actually you've probably got your buyer journey mapped out and then map out the seller. And, and match up those presses and tie them together side by side. Right. So let me just, so you're saying as a marketing manager, you've got that map out the sell. So the marketing manager should be involved in mapping out this sales approach to the journey yes. as well and working with the sales team. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, that's not, it's not like you've got to make all that up. Here's it's all the where, training. Here's correct. all the training to help you do it. And in that blog post, there's actually an example that that they've given. So we'll we'll stick the graphic in there, but have a look at it because I think that'll really help. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is in the advice stage of that process, which really stood out to me as something that really uncovered, as you're advising people, it uncovers their fears. And it's called a one to 10 closing technique, right? I'll just go back and I'll just read to you. It's a technique that gets the prospect to share why they want to buy and weigh whether those benefits are worth the risk or downside of their concerns, right? It's all about bringing to the surface why they're buying from you and reiterating the value. And it's really interesting. Like, so if I was to say, Craig, from one to 10, where one is, I'm not interested in working with you, and 10 is, sign me up now, 
What number are you at? Oh, I'm at a 10, Ian. Really? <laughs> With you. I, I'm surprised you picked that number so high. Well, I just think you're full of good advice and really adding value to my business, Ian. So, see, like with this process, like I could then say, okay, wow, Craig, that that seems like your really good reasons why you want to buy, right? Yeah. And so can I just, sorry to interrupt, but you're actually working through the script that's in, in the inbound sales certification process. I am. And there's a bunch of scripts. They're really good. Correct. And I mean, they don't have to be as cheesy as I was making that one. They're actually really helpful as kind of discussion yes, points. And why I wanted to highlight this is that when sales are going through this process and talking to people and trying to uncover why they're not working with them or what the hurdles are, as someone in marketing, I think you can actually take that and use that as content right. to overcome buyers' fears that's on your a, website, right? Or use that in your frequently asked questions or use that in your next steps and actually work out what you can you can help people. So, be, so when they're having those conversations with sales, it can be a 10. Like I really do want to have no concerns because you've actually addressed all of that on the frequently asked questions or when I downloaded that ebook or that case study, you've actually answered my question. So I actually don't have any issues with working with you. And I think if you're going, how does this relate to me? I think that's how it relates to you. Yeah, I really like that. And so here's, let me just check I understood you correctly. Here's, let's say I'm a marketing manager. I'm working in the business. There's a sales team over here. I've got this technique, the one to 10 sales closing technique, which I'm not going to use myself because I'm marketing, but I'm going to introduce it to sales because I want them to use it. It's valuable to them anyway, but you know, maybe they're sales guys and they don't like to be told what to do, but here's something useful. But the point is by them using that technique, sales gets valuable feedback and you're ba- as a marketing manager saying to them, I want that feedback so I can use it in my content strategy to put on the site or whatever totally. email nurtures. It's oh, a great point. Yeah. Really useful way of of working with sales to get that in place. Now onto the next part, which was really interesting. And this ties in with sales. There's some research on research.hubspot.com and it's to do how sales see the power has shifted to buyers. And it's really interesting. Like looking at this little donut, should I say, 57% are less dependent on salespeople. Yeah, it's a big change, isn't it? And they're basically saying compared to two to three years ago. Yeah. So this is not like decades ago. This is recent. How is buyer behavior changing? Yeah. Correct. And then 22% said there's been no change and 22% said they're more dependent. But, I mean, it clearly shows us that this whole shift is taking place and it's about us making sure that we're providing value at the right time. And then, again, tying it back to that inbound sales process that, HubSpot have so kindly given us to work with because I think that's going to be where we will we will win the game. Like you will see businesses winning the game when they get understand and get this correct. I think you'll you'll see a massive you'll blow your competition out of the water. By the way, speaking of research and um, HubSpot's <coughs> state of inbound report, and uh, that drives a lot of the research from that research.hubspot. Correct. So again, we've got a link to the 2016 one where you should go and actually give us your answers. And why we're encouraging people to do this is because especially in the Asia Pacific region. That's right. Yeah. We're very underrepresented. And I and I'd love to see that 
the 2016 report when it comes out is that we've got a great representation from the Asia Pacific region and, you know, it'll give more weight to what we're doing. And I would love to see that. Yeah. So we've got a link to the survey. By the way, if you get a server error with the survey, come back to it later. I know that's been happening. So it's not that our link's wrong. It's just that they're having problems. Probably too many people from Asia Pac hitting the survey, I reckon. <coughs> well, let's hope. Can you guarantee me results, Craig? <laughs> It's a really good question, isn't it? We've put this in our motivation of the week shot because I, on one of the Facebook groups I'm a member of, I think you're a member of there as well, someone asked the question, they're another agency, they're saying, oh, my customer wants me to guarantee yep. a certain number of leads each month. Should I do that? And lots of people replied saying, no, no, you should never guarantee. It's no, that, you know, there's no way you can guarantee it. And then a few of the what I, more people I have more respect for, actually one in particular replied and said, no, you should definitely try to guarantee. However, here's the caveats. Do you control their content strategy and do you have control over the channels that they can use to drive leads? Because if you do, then yes, you should be guaranteeing your leads. Do you trust your own abilities? Do you think you're a good fit for this company? I found that really motivating because what you can control, you can guarantee. And you can measure, right? So I think that's a really key aspect and I get this question a lot of the time. So you're going to guarantee me that result or you're going to guarantee me X number of leads or you guarantee me that I'll be on page one. I can't guarantee that. But you know what? Because that's out of our control. So if you think about, like we'll take this back to a level of what people would often ask us is, can you guarantee that I'll be on page one of Google, right? I can't. I'll tell you why. Because Google is an asset of somebody else. And their job is to rank content and to give people the best possible result when they search, right? I don't control that. And so therefore I cannot guarantee that result. But if, if like you said, the number of leads, if I controlled all the channels that we were putting content out, doing social, on our blog, doing all the rest, the outreach, and it was within my, within our control, well, yes, I don't see any reason why we can't do that. Yep, I totally agree. And I think that's, as I'll just say, our particular, our, my agency, we're actually trying to move to more, much more of this performance guarantee where we say, yep, you want these leads. Really what the question should be is not, um, can you guarantee this many leads? It's, can you guarantee leads of X quality? So the question should then talk around quality rather than quantity. Correct. So, I think that's, that's another conversation or that's another metric that should be in there. It's not let's who opened the email. Did people actually read it? I think that's that's the kind of things we need to be we need to be delving deeper into what are the things that matter for us. So as a marketing manager, ask those hard questions and get to the bottom of them. All right, um, we're coming up to time, so um, just wanted to finish actually with a community item of the week. And I this, think this is very important. It is kind of important. It's kind of a negative and, and a positive, but th- what, what we're going to link to is an article that Damesh wrote on LinkedIn Pulse. He's written a post there, and it's in response predominantly to Dan Lyon's new book called Disrupted. And in that book, which I haven't read, I don't think it's actually available yet, might be pre-released to some people, he basically takes shots at a lot of the companies, uh, technology companies, and in particular HubSpot, kind of criticising a lot of things, and some of them seem to be valid criticisms as well. So that's getting a lot of press because I guess he's on his book tour and, you know, it's turning up New York Times and all those different places. So that's good, good, good discussion. I really like this post from Damesh, uh, which he wrote with Brian, uh, kind of responding to it. It was a very kind of uh, transparent, honest kind of, yep, 
some things we disagree some he was right and we've changed and fixed and yeah it's a, it, i think it i think like you said it's an important piece to read what, what were your some of your thoughts with the piece i think it shows great leadership because i i've come up with something similar with a customer that of ours and they were like well how do we push this off the page <laughs> Right? So in terms of the search result. And I'm like, no, you actually need to address it. You need to address it head on. Give people the facts. Tell them like it is. And we're, we're human, right? We don't do things right. And like Damesh has said in there, there are things we got wrong and there are things that we've had to fix. It isn't like that now. And I think that's being bold about knowing who you stand for, what you stand for, and how you're going to run your race. And don't be afraid because people will always try to take you down. Yep. I totally agree. Now... We did say this episode was about some social in there, so I would like to finish with the social part. Yes, good good point. We've got some really interesting things about social and B2B, range from Pinterest, Snapchat to Twitter, and we've got three different links. And I think the key takeaway that I want to take away, that I want people to take away from here, is that you need to focus on the mediums where your audience is get that right. So even just start with one thing, like if it is Facebook, start with Facebook, master that, and then move on to Twitter, for example, right? Like that's, that's really the key. And don't read what everybody else is saying because people's audiences are different. The people that they connect with are different. Understand who you're talking to and make it work for you. Now, Craig, you're going to Give me your opinion on that. Yes. So just quickly, because I know we're coming up to time, I will just say it's, a, it's very tempting to chase every shiny object. And I will just say that with most of my customers, especially with our agency, with customers, we probably try to put 10% of budget into testing new things. Always we test and measure. So I'm always a fan of testing new stuff, but it's about focus. And so the first article that we're looking at is... Um, oh, eight ways to use Pinterest for B2B. And I'm like, oh, great, I'll have a look at that. That sounds interesting. Maybe there's an opportunity there. But it's actually funny because the company that's put it out, when you actually look at their Pinterest, it's actually their Pinterest following, it's actually really low. It's like they don't practice what they preach, which is, I don't know, is that telling or is that actually an opportunity that yes. they are actually, yeah, there is an opportunity. They could but Pinterest, shiny object, should I go for it? Well, put a bit of testing there, but don't chase it. And then, of course, Snapchat is, I guess, Everyone's talking about Snapchat lately yes. and this kind of thing. Should I get onto Snapchat? And the next article that we link to, yeah, they're saying no. No, it's not for everybody. <laughs> no, it's not for everyone. If you're a big brand or celebrity or whatever, go for it. But if not, I still think, yeah, test it a bit, but it's not, it's not about focus. Okay. And the third one from Larry Kim, we love Larry Kim, big AdWords guru. Yes. Where he talks about Twitter and some of the paid techniques he's using with Twitter to grow his following. I think this is great because it's like everyone's moved off from Twitter. You know, oh, Twitter's dying. It's not that's a good right. ride. Yes. Oh, I'm going to Snapchat. And that's like Larry Kim's going, no, I'm getting real ROI out of Twitter and yes. I'll give you the tips to do it. So it all comes back to focus. So in your as a marketing manager, you're juggling all these, you know, shiny objects, which should I go after? And it's like, well, find the two or three, as you said, two or three that are really working. That's where your client base is. Focus on those and push them hard and just leave the others to a small part of the testing budget. So, yeah, three great links there. hope they provide value. Well, Craig, that was fantastic. I love the way you fish with a bit of focus. <laughs> All about adaptability and focus. That's right. So until next time, please leave us a comment, tweet us, Instagram, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Until next time, see you, Craig. See you, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.